Turn with me uh, in your scriptures to uh, Romans 7. Romans 7. If you do not have uh, the Word of God with you, uh, we uh, love to put that in your hands. If you'd raise your hand, Joe will, uh, will bring uh, scripture to you uh, that you might uh, be able to possess it in your hand, look at it yourself, be good Bereans, and read along, and see that the pastor is being true to the Word of God. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate that service. A couple weeks ago, we started, uh, we, we were continuing our, our Roman travel. Uh, and we got into the book of uh, uh, Romans 7. And uh, Paul, um, New Way of the Spirit. And uh, two weeks ago, I talked about the first part of that, uh, verses 1 through 6. And, you know, if you remember, I said to you, I said, certainly that the law, it's not that the law no longer applies uh, to our lives, but that and even Jesus himself said that um, he didn't come here to abolish the law, but he came here to fulfill it. And so that Jesus in me then becomes the fulfillment of the law, and, uh, and I'm actually able to, for the first time in Christ, to live out the truths of Scripture. That which I read to you today um, is, is an amazing thing if you live that life. Just, and I, I, I wanted you to see how the law really is, you know, it's summarized, love God and love each other, right? How that love just comes from God because he is all those things. And in us, the manifestation of him in us becomes all those things. And so how, do he, how, do he, how does he do that? How does he do that? Um, and we went through the first six verses two weeks ago, and I gave you five things of that, how that happens. First of all, in the picture of salvation, a new spiritual relationship happens. The law used to be your guardian, used to be the one pointing at and said, you see what you're doing? You see what you're doing? I'm your supervisor. I'm over top of you. And that can, that can feel like condem- condemnation. But now in Christ, you have a new husband a new guardian, a new supervisor. He is the one that then lives inside of you. We have a new identity. And that's so important for us to know that. Second of all, that the process of salvation is death. That you die to your old self and arise brand new in Christ. No longer under the, under the law and its condemnation, but a new life in Christ Jesus actually fulfilling the law. Now you're living and going, you know, I'm not going to commit adultery because why would I do that to somebody else? My God is my true, my true God. And I would not live falsely before him in uncommitment, but I'll live with him. He's committed to me in every relationship I'll be committed to. That salvation equals total transformation. That we have been, we have been transferred um, from, uh, like, like, like you're transferred from one part of the a state to another state. So you're transferred from the body of death to the soul of life. You're transferred from the, the, the uh, kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light in the salvation. The purpose of salvation, listen to me, for you that have lived most of your life wondering if you have any purpose. It is to bear fruit of holiness. 
That's the purpose of salvation. Your life has changed. It's no longer your decisions to make, but that as the Spirit moves you, your life has moved into a whole new purpose. His purpose. And it's to, listen, the fruit of holiness, not just a fruit of putting money into your bank account or food on the table, which are great things, but it is to put fruit into the basket of eternal life as you share the good news of Jesus with others because your life has been changed. And then the path, there's a picture of that in respect to the fact that, that um, you cannot put new wine in old wineskin because the old wineskin is, 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 is dry and rugged and if you put fermenting new wine into the old skin, it'll burst it. But that this new spirit is the fact that in this new identity, you're living out a life that has been given new skin in him. No longer having to conform to, the, to the, the paths that you took before because you just had to, because it was an addiction. It was something I have to do. I have to have a need felt, uh, a felt need um, filled. And no, I'm in a new wineskin. My needs, my life, everything is fulfilled by Jesus Christ. And my path now is in a different direction than what it was before. And so, the new way of the Spirit. And so, as we get into the second part of, of chapter 7, is second out of three, um, I, just, I, just, I don't want you to, to miss that because in the light of the new way of the Spirit, what is this law and pur- purpose for? And as, as, as Paul unfolds this, um, if, if, you're a, if you're someone who's not yet received Jesus Christ in your life, let your spirit listen to um, what the law's purpose is. If you are in, um, in Jesus Christ today, uh, its continual work is to continually um, to move you back on track with him because if you're like me, you get off in the weeds once in a while as a believer, it is God's spirit now witnessing to our hearts the truth of, of God's word. That's what's so important about eating God's word. Eating it daily. Men um, uh, that meet on Wednesday, what is, what is the verse that we're supposed to be memorizing this week? I'm, I'm forgetting it. What, what's the verse we're supposed to have memorized? Yeah, go ahead, Daniel. Oh. Where's it found? Yes. Woohoo! Yes. I store up your word in my heart so I may not sin against you. The converse of that verse is the fact that if I'm not in God's word, I'm already sinning against him. And so, let's go to the word. So we're going to start, we're going to read uh, 7 through 14. Listen to God's word and may your heart be moved by what he has to say to us today. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Absolutely not. Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. 
But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandments, produced in me every kinds of coveting. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Once I was alive apart from the law. But when the commandments came, sin sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandments, deceived me. And through the commandments, put me to death. So then, the law is holy. And the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring about my death. So that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. Thus ends the reading of God's word today. So in this new way of the spirit, God is speaking to us. He is speaking to us, and, and he comes, and he talks about the law, and he asks the first question. I just think in verse 7, I think it's fascinating. Is the law sinful? Now, I think that's a great opening question, and especially for today, because I think that this is a point where so much sinful rebellion happens when people look at all the evil in the world and turn it around on a sovereign game to go without punishment. Yet those same people never think of the evil they have done and how patient he is with them. Paul's answer is certainly not, or in the NTL, um, a New Living Translation, of course not. He then goes on to say in verse 12 that the law is holy and that the law is spiritual in verse 14. So I think as we approach this, it's good to build a good theology toward or a good thought about regarding to the new relationship with the law. And to be reminded of ourselves what God's purpose is for the law. That law that sometimes so, if you ever had this, but it so peers into your soul that it's like you can't look to the right or the left and you think to yourself, I am a no good piece of dung. Anybody? I have. Absolutely I have. How can a good thing like that bring us to the place where it just feels so wrong? Even to the point that we can accuse God of evil in the world because would a good God do that? And if he's not good and he's sovereign, then he must be part of bringing evil in the world, which is an absolute lie. Absolute lie. But, but here's God's heart for the law in your and my life. First of all, God's heart is for your and my freedom. Many of us don't realize that outside of our relationship with God, that our life is in bondage. God desires freedom for you and me. He says in Psalm 32, 9, Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. The law is a guardian, a supervisor, drawing you to your need for Christ for one reason, because he wants you to be free. 
You're in bondage outside of Jesus Christ. You don't feel like it at times. It feels like you're actually in control. In fact, you should be in control because everybody else has hurt you and I'm going to just surrender myself around my own life and I'm just going to live this life the way that I want to. But God wants you to be free. No bit and bridle. Nobody has to tell you right from wrong. You're walking your life and you're going by the Spirit speaking to you. This is right. This is wrong. I'm going to live for Jesus. And uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 10, 13 tells us that, that, um, that there is no sin that is not common to man, but that in the midst of that sin, God is faithful and he will provide a way out for you. The neat thing about watching people grow up in the Lord is the fact that more and more they become more aware of the sin before they get involved in it. Why, that, what is that? That's maturity. That's the bridle coming out. That's the bit coming out of the mouth. That is, okay, now go. You're my child. Go and live free. That is his heart for us. Freedom. Secondly, that religious practices become a place of expression of faith. In the book of Galatians, Paul rebukes the Galatian people for returning to the law because the Judaizers were telling them that unless you're circumcised and become like us Jews, you can never really be truly saved. It would be like somebody telling you that you have to be baptized to be more saved. And it's a lie. It's obedience, should be baptized, but baptism is only an expression of what's already happened in your heart. Galatians 5, 6 says, listen to this, the only thing that counts, listen, the only thing that counts, people need to hear this, the only thing that counts is faith expressed itself in love. That's it. That's it. There's an expression of faith, and it's love. Love for God, love for one another. That's the only thing that matters. Paul goes on to say, you were running a good race in verse 7. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That hurts. It is important to have structure and service. It is important. It's biblical. We can read it. It's important. But 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that all our religion without love is nothing. Nothing. It's nothing. So it's God's heart for us is in freedom in the law. His, his, his heart for us is that our religious practices become expressions of faith and the, and the ability to love one another. That's why God called you here. And the third one is the law's real purpose. I want you to I want, go, turn with me. Keep your finger in Romans. Turn with me to 1 Timothy 1. 1 Timothy 1. We're going to start at the 8th verse. I want you to hear it. There's, I, I, Paul just uh, expresses it uh, more deeply, and I, you need to hear it. This is so important. You with me? Okay, keep going. 1 Timothy 1, starting the 8th verse, says these words. We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. It's a great phrase. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and the irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, 
for slave traders and liars and perjurers and for whatever else. Listen to this. This is the second purpose. Whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. So there are two reasons for the law. First is to convict sinners of their sin. And second is that it is the standard in the, true, in the light of true doctrine. Listen to me. Truth is the same generation after generation, culture after culture. Why? Because God is the same. He never changes. We need to know that. We live in a world right now that wants us as believers to compromise the truth, to say, no, you know what? This is really okay in this culture because God didn't really understand what this culture would be going through. That is a lie. It is the same. And so as we look deeper into this passage, I I just, I want you to think about Why does God want me to think about this? He wants me to be free. He wants me to express my faith out of my religion in in, in a way that is love. And he wants me to understand that the law is for the conviction of sin and am I staying true on the path? Is this truly where God wants me? Is this the true doctrine It's important because so much has been changed. So much has been changed. Um, I'm reading a book right now called um, uh, You Don't Have to Hide by Erwin Lutzer. And uh, in there, there's a story of a a church that a person that wrote into him. And he said, my church is uh, is going woke. And, he's, and, and I won't go through the whole thing, but, he, but this person said, um, the reason that I started seeing this is because we talked less about Jesus and more about social justice. Now, our God is, is a God of justice, absolutely. And in him, he is just, so our lives will live out justice because he's the fulfillment of that, correct? But, but our focus has to stay on Jesus Christ. If it doesn't, then we're, we're trying to do some human construct of justice instead of God's justice. And that's important for us to hear. And, uh, and I mean, just it was, it's so sad. It was a megachurch that really turned uh, that way. And so I just, I say that only to encourage us. As a family of God, we need to stay focused on Jesus Christ together. We need to believe he's the fulfillment of the law and that he wants us to be free to practice our expression of our faith and the purpose of the law to live out. And so let's answer uh, two questions, or one really. How does the Spirit use the law to reveal reality to us? Because that's really what's happening here. Do Do you believe that there are times in your life where you live in virtual reality? That somehow you make up your own truth and you live within that context? Do you, Anybody in the room? Leave me up here. I have. Absolutely I have. And so, and so the purpose of the law, the purpose of the Spirit, a new way of the Spirit, is to unveil to your heart those areas where you've been living in virtual reality. You put the glasses on, you thought it was real, and he's saying, not, not real. 
Not real. Not real. I, you know, I know that's the way you were brought up. I know that dad never expressed love to you. And you're kind of living out that reality. I know that you, you've, you've fought with mom and, and, you, and, and, and you're living out there. I, I get the fact that you were abused. But you're now living out the reality that's not real. I understand you. I know your heart. I know what you're hurting over. I get the fact that that divorce has been just huge on you. But don't live out the abuse of it. Live out the freedom that I have for you. And so how does he do that? How does he open up our hearts to it? Listen to it. Listen to it. First, verse 7. Verse 7. I've already read the first part of it. He says, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would have not known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. So the holy law reveals sin. You know that our propensity as a people is to justify our sin. Our propensity as a people is that, you know, my sin is not as bad as other people. And somehow that becomes the foundation for us to move into it. The Apostle Paul knew what he was talking about. He knew that he was a coveter. Not while he was a religious Pharisee, because he thought that was just the normal way of life. I want to be the best Pharisee, and so there's not going to be anybody that's going to know more than me, see more than me, and do more than me. And so his life of coveting became the fact that he had to be the best. So many times we live our life looking somehow to get our own glory. Somehow to get our own way. Somehow to get some affirmation that we have worth and value. And we try to do it by coveting what other people have. And if we possess it, that somehow that gives me, that gives me purpose and reason and meaning. Philippians 3 expressed this when Paul said, Listen, I was, I was the man circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. Don't get no better than that. A Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, dude, I persecuted the church. I had zeal. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Faultless. The law here is really the human construct of the law which finds its justification in the measurement against other human beings. You were, never, you were never meant to measure yourself up against somebody else on this earth. And when you do that, you become a coveter. You become somebody who starts living a life that's fake. And so the law reveals that we're never measuring up against humans, but against God himself. The one who said, be holy as I am holy. That which is impossible for man is possible for God. And so, 
the law reveals our sin. Maybe today the Spirit is speaking to your heart right now about something you're either doing or have done. And he's saying, that's not of me. That's not real. That's fake. Come into the real. That is what the law is doing. Second of all, the law reveals our sinful nature. And this is important. Don't you know that, let's read it first. I'm sorry, I'm getting excited about this. But sin, seizing the opportunity, afforded by the commandments, produced in me every kind of coveting. For apart from the law, sin was dead. The holy law reveals our sinful nature. You know, I mean, let me ask this question. Have you ever said, yeah, I do this, but it's, it's because of something that happened to me. I'm this way because of way so-and-so treated me. I'm this way because this event in my life happened, changing me, and I am the way I am now because of that. The key phrase is seizing the opportunity produced in me. Uh, The uh, NLT says this, but sin took advantage of this law and aroused all kinds of forbidden desires within me. It is our nature to follow that flow in our lives. For me growing up, it was my nature to follow the flow that I was adopted And what that produced in me was the fact that I didn't fit in the world. And if I didn't fit in the world, then I got to create my own reality so that I can fit in somewhere. Anybody with me? It's ridiculous, but I lived it. I lived it for years. If If you know anything about our God and the heart of your pastor that's speaking to you right now, it's that... We don't want you to live fake. We want you to live real, honest, true lives in this world. Honest about who you really are. Honest about who he is. And honest about the fact your desperate need for Jesus Christ. I am 63 years old. I need him more today than I need him when I was 23. At least here. Not that I didn't need him more, but here I need him more now than what I ever did. Because even standing up in front of you, speaking today, I can't do this without him. And he's made that very clear, very clear over eight years of this church. I need him. Oh, I need him. Every hour, I need him. Do you? The holy law not only reveals sin, but it also reveals... The speed limit is 70. Do you ever ask yourself why you go 80? Do you ever ask yourself that? Do you you ever tooling, you know, riding down the road trying to loosen my load? No, I, you know, and you're driving and, and you're going over the speed limit. Do you ever ask yourself why? Oh, 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 that is a good one. <laughs> oh, girl. <laughs> Because the rest of the cars are. 
Now, what would your mom and dad say to you to that answer? If your friend jumps off the bridge, would you jump too? You know, oh, cliff, sorry, not a bridge, cliff, sorry. But you know, guys, it's, you know, it's so true. It's so true. Now, I, I actually, I actually had one of my family members say to me, I don't think God cares if I go 80. Does he care if you rebel against the government? Does he say that in Romans 13? That if you rebel against those put in authority over you, you're rebelling against me? Yes, he does. Does he care? Yes, he cares. Not the speed limit. I mean, they can change it any way they want. But what he cares about is that you have a heart that is not rebellious in any way, shape, or form. Do you understand that was our natural propensity? That when we were born, we were born into sin. It was our nature. Nobody caused us to do that. Nobody did something to you that has caused you to sin. You're doing it. Yeah, you're blaming what happened, but you're doing it because, because the law is revealing the truth inside of you. You get, listen to me, you get to see a picture of you. And it's real. Now, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? You can sit back and say, hey, it's the way it is. Or you can say, Jesus, thank you for showing me me. Can I, can I get a witness to this? Everyone who comes to Jesus Christ says that. It is God's love that draws us. It is his overwhelming love that draws us. But what is it drawing us to? It's drawing us to see him for who he is and see ourselves for who we are. And it's transformational changing because you get the chance for the first time in your life to say, I see me and I don't want me anymore. I want thee. And that's the King James Version. I don't want me, I want thee. I want thee. Because you are the only way, the only truth, and the only life. There is none outside of you. It's only a walking death. It's your sinful nature that says, nobody is going to tell me what to do. I'm grown. I can do what I want. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So the holy law reveals us the truth about our sinful nature and the destruction that it's bringing our lives. That is so important. And third, 9 through 11, read with me. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, I sprang, sin sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandments, deceived me, and through the commandments, put me to death. Now, it's very interesting because Paul's making a, a, just a really opening his heart to us. When he was a Pharisee, he was led to believe, and it's true, that God is the law. So that means that if I just obey everything, I'm good with God. I, let me ask you a question. Can you be a moral person and obey everything and still be lost? Amen. Amen. And, and that's what Paul had to, you know, Paul had like, 
like 368 other commandments. I mean, they had, they had built this construct of law that, that if you follow this and you do this and you, you can only carry a certain amount of weight on, on the Sabbath and you can only go so many feet and if you go over that, you're dead. In fact, to the point that, that the Pharisees missed Jesus Christ when in the very synagogue that they were worshiping the God that heals, Jesus came and healed a, hand with a, sh- a man with a shriveled hand. And they couldn't see the healing over the fact that you just broke one of our laws. I, I, just let that sink in. That's just crazy. But you know what? Some of us have done it. Some of us have missed the miracle of Jesus coming in our life because we've been so caught up in the construct of the law that we have built around our life because of the abuse or because of whatever else has happened in our life. We've built a shell around us and nobody can penetrate it. Even Jesus can't penetrate it. You realize when you say nobody is going to tell me what to do, you're also saying that to God? You are. And so... And so when we come to 9-11, the holy law reveals the deception of sin. For sin deceived me and put me to death, it says. The NLT says this, I felt fine when I did not understand what the law demanded. But when I learned the truth, I realized I had broken the law and was a sinner doomed to die. That's a great place to be. When you realize that everything you have done, all the things you have built, everything you have done on your own, trying to, trying to live your life yourself, was leading to death. What you actually thought was life is actually death. You know that one of the problems with sin is that we get away with it? I mean, have you ever sinned and then done this? Nobody saw me. I'm the only one. I have. I have. I didn't get, I didn't get checked. All right. I'm good. I'm good. You think you're good. That's right. This mindset only produces more movement towards sin and deceives us into believing that sin is okay actually gives us more freedom to continue to sin, which actually puts us in more bondage. Verse 11 in the NLT says this, Sin fooled me, took good, the good law, and made me guilty. I once heard uh, this statement about the evil one. There's no greater voice um, uh, than s- than the evil one to support your prideful position and tell you you're right until you're proven wrong and then there's no greater voice of condemnation. That is, our, that, is, that is the evil one. He will be your greatest advocate to do your sin. And once done and once revealed, he will be your greatest voice of condemnation. You see, what the law is trying to do is bring us back to Genesis 2. Back to the instructions of the Lord to Adam in regards to obedience. When he says, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will certainly die. You see, God is really only, the only true 
judge of good and evil. When we take the position of God and say, I can, in my own, judge what's right and wrong, and nobody's going to tell me what's right and wrong. Boy, don't we live in that world today? Don't we live in a world that things that used to be wrong are right now? It's ridiculous. I'm sorry. I smoke, and I'm not sorry about this at all. I smoked dope when I was a kid. Okay? I did. I saw people jumping off the roof of schools, jumping out of trees. I saw what happened to the heart of young men and women who smoked marijuana and they became absolute comatose. They didn't care what happened. They didn't care about life. They just kind of, whatever. And my, I'm being told that now it's okay. That as I drive down the road, that people smoking dope in their car, I can smell it behind them, that, that, that that's okay? It's a lie. It's deceiving people into death. And it's just one example. I could do many, many more. You know that the THC level is higher today than when I was, when I was a kid? It's higher! The effect is greater! And yet it's okay. The holy law takes away the deception of sin and lets one see clearly the true direction of sin that leads to death. Have you ever come to a place in your life where you've said, if I continue down this path, I'm going to die? Have you? Because if you, if you have met Christ, you've gotten to that place. You've gotten to that place. And then, fourth, verse 13 did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring about my death so that through the commandment, listen to this, sin might become utterly sinful. Law, the holy law, removes all excuses for sin. Do you know that we live in a society today that has said that looting is justified because it's just redistribution of wealth? That teaching children filthy lies in school, these lies that can't even be read in school boards, they won't, they won't put up with it when parents come to school boards and say, let me read what you're okaying as a book in a school. The school board gets angry because it's, in their minds, it's opening their minds up or new enlightenment. And also that we now prosecute prosecute police officers more than criminals and we let the criminals out of jail to balance the races in our jail this is the world we're living in one of the greatest gifts of the law is that it reveals true reality versus virtual reality i have read a book called in, uh, in a far off country and it uh, it it is a uh, autobiography of the life of christopher young uh, Christopher was born into a Chinese family that lived in Chicago. Mom and dad did not know the Lord. Um, and Christopher was uh, a guy who played the piano and he could express his feelings and, uh, and he was probably a little bit more feminine than masculine. And he got to the place where he started questioning his own sexuality. 
And uh, in, a, in a home where the parents were fighting with each other, there was no God, they, he, uh, he started to express some things to them. And uh, they brought him uh, to California to go through a cleansing in Scientology. And this process is a, is, is a process where they put you on a machine and they supposedly zap out the impurities in your life so that you can become pure. Uh, and after it was done, he said it all worked, but nothing changed. And so finally there was a split. He said, I'm coming out. I am a homosexual. That is just the way it is. And as he drove and left Chicago, he said, I finally feel free. I finally feel like I'm not leaving my family. I'm actually driving toward my family in Louisville, Kentucky, where he went to college and where he already started practicing his, uh, his homosexuality. Well, as all sin does, it gets worse and worse. He became dealing drugs. He, he, he was a drag queen, um, and he was doing all kinds of debauchery in his life, and it finally caught up with him, and by the grace of God, in the mercy of God, he was in prison for drug dealing. In prison, he happened to look over in his cell at the trash can, and he saw a Bible. And he started reading it. Just reading it. Nobody interpreting, no pastors in front of him, just reading the Bible. And his life was changed. He received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, began to not only go to Bible studies, but lead them and uh, today, uh, Christopher Young, he was the uh, professor at uh, Moody Bible College for years, and now he travels around the world with his parents telling a story. The law removes all excuses, all excuses. It is a great gift to have excuses removed. And as I draw our time uh, to a close here, um, I, if you noticed it, I missed, I missed verse 12. I'm not sure if you, you saw that. Verse 12 says this. It says, So then, the law is holy, and commandments is holy, righteous, and good. This is important for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's important because when you're under the conviction of the law, like some may be here today, you may be under God's conviction right now about something that you're doing in your life. When you're under that conviction, if you think there's any evil in it at all, you will push the conviction aside. But if you realize that um, you needed to be guided, you needed to be directed, you needed a supervisor to bring you to the point of what you thought was life but is death, you thought was, was a good thing for you but is a work of Satan in your life that, and, 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 that, and the world and your flesh... Um, if you know that the source is good, that then becomes something that you begin to believe this is good for me. If you can believe that this conviction right now is good for you, you will surrender to it. Second, by understanding the purpose of the law, you can trust the surrender of your life from the constraints of the law to the freedom of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not talking about some fanaticism. I'm not talking about some strange thing. I'm talking about a life that literally is, is uh, moved from fake to real and that the Spirit now witnesses to your soul the truth 
witnesses your soul God's purpose for your life, and listen to this, so many miss this, witnesses, like the Pharisees, witnesses to your soul that the supernatural work of God is working out in this world. Do you see God working? Do you see what he's doing? Do you see that even amongst us today, there's people that are drawn because his spirit knows that they're in a very horrible moment of their life and they've been begging for a family to be amongst so that, so that um, religion no longer is painful because there's always been separation, but because there's a family now, they can feel the freedom to be in the midst of it, to be open, to be honest, and that their hearts can be open to him. That's what the Spirit does in the midst of the law. As you come to Christ, he opens your eyes. And the third thing is that you're learning to trust the holy law to work on the hearts of others. We can be such controlling people that we think that we have to point out everybody's sin. But if we believe in the Holy Spirit, we cry out to the Holy Spirit, we realize that he can convict the people of their sin. You see, when we sometimes condemn each other and we say, oh, you know, Frankie, you are just a dirty, rotten lady and I just, I just wish you'd change your life. What happens in that interaction is that, is that I actually damage Frankie's soul because there's condemnation that comes on there. But when the Spirit convicts a heart, it's free from condemnation and it, and it preserves the soul. It doesn't destroy it. That's so important. And that's what God wants to do. When I was thinking about this, in fact, um, I preached out of it uh, at another church. I don't go to other churches often, but Sunday night I was found at Faith Community Church um, preaching in the night. And there's a verse in there that just sometimes in, in chapter 6 that just, just hits my heart so many times when I read it. So Isaiah is called to a new commission. He's atoned. And then he hears God saying, whom shall we send? And he says, here am I, send me. You ever had that experience in your life? He said, okay, what do you want me to do? He said, go tell the people this. Some of you need to hear this today. Be ever hearing but never understanding. Be ever seeing but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their minds. Why? Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Wow. There are people on the face of this earth that hear the word of God, but they never understand it. They see God working, but they never see it for themselves. Their heart does not allow understanding to enter in from the word of God. Wow. They could be healed. Do, do you understand that if you're a person today that, has, that is hearing this and you're realizing the conviction of the Holy Spirit that today you could be healed? No, 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 Junior. Today. Now, I don't think you got that. Today. Right now, at this moment. Are you going to live your life 
not realizing uh, that the law is here to reveal sin, that the law is revealed to, 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 to reveal your nature, that the law is here to get the deception of sin out of your life, and that the law is here to remove all excuses. No more excuses. It's good. You can trust him. The gospel of Jesus Christ comes to us because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him shall not perish but have eternal life. But it also important another reason is that it gives you a true effect on you. God loves you enough to, to receive you just as you are, but he loves you enough not to leave you there. Not to leave you there. He loves you. And yes, there will be pain. No, no, no. If you face it, there'll be pain. Yes, there will. But it's not the same pain as what sin does in our life. It's a pain that is a pain of restoration, a pain of renewing, a pain of change. Yes, you're going to have to make difficult decisions in your life when you've been following sin. Absolutely you do. In fact, don't us Christians at times have to make tough choices? Yes, we do. In light of God's love, in light of his law, absolutely we do. Absolutely we do. And so James, uh, one of the verses I thought of as we think about and just reflect on this holy law, James says this, to, he's talking to believers. He says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and does not do it, it's sin for them. Is there something that the Lord has been talking to you about? Let me, let me bring some legs to this. Toward the end of the last year, there's some things that I had kind of hidden from Sue. I had done some things that were not holy of God. I had done some things in my life, and I had hid them from Sue. I had some accountability friends and buddies in my life. I reached out to one that was out of the state. I re reached into some other guys and talked to them. But the Holy Spirit kept saying to me, talk to your wife. Talk to your wife. Talk to your wife. And so, I'm just going to be honest with you. Last week, finally, I sit down with my wife and says, I got some things I could talk to you about. It took me, it took me weeks to come to that place. And I knew it. Anybody else witness with me that when you push aside the Holy Spirit speaking to you, it's just like, yeah, you can't turn to the right or left. It's always right there. And it's just like, ah! But it takes courage to be honest. It takes courage to be real. It takes courage to live in reality versus falseness. And that's what the Holy Spirit can do. Because you know what? Some of us in this room are living in deception. And our God is not a God of deception. He's a God of truth. He said to the, to the Jews who believed him, who received his word, know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Free. That's what he wants. Today, someone is sitting under the bondage of decisions you've made. You may have been a believer for a long time. But you've made excuses because God knows 
God knows what you've gone through. And he, he, he's okay. Oh, he's not. It's bondage. The law is spiritual or good. And Paul says, I am unspiritual. Now, he's not talking about being an unbeliever. He's talking about that there's only one true spirit. There's only one good spirit, and that's the Holy Spirit. And when I live outside of that communion with that spirit, I'm unspiritual. But as I draw closer to him, he draws closer to me, and my life becomes more real and true and purposeful, and the spirit directs me. Today, if God is speaking to your heart, don't let today leave you. Talk to him. Let him know you get it. Let him know you see it. Let him know you understand it. Don't be like the Israelites who could never, who would never let themselves see the truth of God. And you know what the result was? Babylon, destruction of Jerusalem, 90% put into captivity, 10% the, 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 the poorer ones left in Jerusalem destroyed. That was the result. If you're not following Jesus Christ, that's where your life is headed. Don't let it go. See him today, hear him today, understand him today, and let him move your life close to him. Stand with me as we pray and call the core team, or the uh, praise team. <laughs> I'm going to call the core team forward. <laughs> we thank you for your word that's true. We thank you for the fact that, that when you wrote those commandments, those were written from a heart of love, not a heart of condemnation. That really what you were doing was you were revealing to us who you are in the fact that you are faithful, that you are the deliverer, that you, that you are kind, uh, that, uh, uh, that you are um, truthful and trustworthy, and that you are content, for you own it all, and you created us. And so, Father, as we come in the light of uh, Romans 7, as we, Lord, have been given some time to look within our hearts to see um, who we really are. I pray that, Father, that, that we will not reject the speaking of your spirit, even as I did for, for a month, but that, Father, we'll receive it and that, Lord, we will respond to you because your spirit speaks to us. The way of your spirit speaks to us in love. You desire freedom, expression, and, and that, Lord, we are... We are in, in walking in purpose with you in our lives. Father, I thank you for the attentiveness of, of those before me. I thank you, Lord, for those who have received your word into their heart. I pray for those who maybe in prideful ways have pushed it out. And I pray that, Father, that you'll do a mighty work among us. Speak to our hearts. May we hear you today. In the precious name of Jesus, amen.